because you're so driven with success if you had love from success in your childhood if you're this is how you associated with it and most of us did that because in the school system we raised teacher only likes you if you're a good student or maybe uh, in the family you had to always had the good grades because otherwise if you had a b your mother is why it's a b why it's not a so when you associated being appreciated being loved with success then it is never enough for you because you always want to achieve more you always want to achieve more Dear Balancer, I know you're a determined person on the lookout for ways to live a more fulfilling and balanced life, but you're busy. And if we're being honest, that busyness often comes at the expense of your priorities. The Balance Theory podcast is made to teach busy bees just like you how to find and own your own definition of balance so that you can become unapologetic in how you choose to spend your time. I'm your host, Erica, and together let's find your unique balance. All right, Balancers, today's guest is a mindfulness trainer, transformation coach, and founder of Purposeful Vibes. She helps entrepreneurs and corporate professionals all around the world move past their stress and trauma to heal, transform, and flourish in all areas of their lives. I'm so excited to get to know her and her mission a little bit more on the show today. So a very warm welcome to Gul Sonmez. Welcome to the show. Hi, hi, Erica. Thank you so much, actually. Pronounce my name perfectly. <laughs> it's very yeah, I had to, uh, I had to verify, I had to verify that one before we jumped on. It's a, uh, was it? Did you say a mix between a French and German pronunciation? So I wanted to make sure I didn't butcher that. Yeah, no, no, you pronounced it perfectly, better than my husband, so it's good. <laughs> oh, perfect! I'm already up there. Good to hear. So tell the listeners uh, a little bit about you, a little bit about what you do. You just mentioned that you are in Luxembourg at the moment, but you do travel around quite a bit. So share with us a little bit about the work you do. Okay. Hi. Hi, everyone. This is Gül. I am originally Turkish, actually. I'm from Turkey. Um, this is why I go back to Turkey quite a lot. And my husband is Italian. This is why I go to Italy a lot as well. Um, I have the chance of working digitally now, but I'm based in Luxembourg. So I'm coming from a corporate background. Uh, more than, I think, 15 years, I worked in different big multinational like Coca-Cola or Amazon. Uh, I was working as a marketing, um, marketing manager, and I did all this kind of work. But I think 10 years ago, I started to have my own health issues and my own struggles. And I stepped into this path in order to heal me. I'm a huge, huge believer of only we can heal ourselves and we can choose to suffer or change our lives. And I don't like to be stuck. And life always gives me the lessons of being stuck. <laughs> so I like to work on this issue more. And after working almost five or six years with myself, I started working with others. Um, first, I was doing it when I was working at my corporate job. Uh, but, you know, word of mouth is really big. I started working one people, two people, three people, 50 people, and it became bigger and bigger. And then I left my corporate job and built this purposeful lives. I'm doing um, intuitive coaching and healing. I'm also a certified coach. But during the time of COVID, I was working at Amazon headquarters. And that time, our team needed a bit more mindfulness trainings and mindfulness meditations because of the burnout and stress that everyone was going through, including me and all my colleagues. And that time, I created mindfulness series, kind of workshops for corporate people to adopt some practical uh, and easy tools to balance the stress, to balance the burnout, um, to get unstuck. 
And now I'm also yeah. doing it as a profession. Yeah. I am doing it at corporates, uh, workshops about mindfulness. That's beautiful. Um, I'm always so interested to talk to people who have a corporate background and then are really trying to bridge that gap between mindfulness and corporate. It's awesome to see people like you trying to bridge that gap. But I want you to take me back to your time when you were in corporate. And I know you kind of had that experience where you were manifesting these sorts of pains and injuries. And then that sort of is what prompted you on your own self-healing journey. Could you just take us back to what that experience was like for you, what you were feeling, what you were experiencing, and then what was involved in your self-healing? How did you actually overcome what you were what you were experiencing? Yeah, actually, that time I was in a very good place in my career and I was really working really hard and I got the promotions and I was also rewarded by this by this hard work. And to be honest, I always like my corporate job. I'm not someone who didn't like the corporate world and who's like, okay, let me look for alternatives. I really, really like my job. My issue that time was not my job, actually. My issue that time um that I was not aware of what my issue was, but I was feeling really, really depressed and I was feeling really, really unhappy with life. But I was at a stage where I had everything. I had this beautiful job. I was promoted before I was turned to a marketing manager position in one of the biggest companies in the world. So I bought my own house. I had an amazing car. You know, I was going to dance classes, yoga classes, and I had a beautiful husband. So and I was just 30 years old. So everything was really, really picture perfect when you look at it. Um, but I started to manifest some some problems in my body, especially with the bone structure. First, it was my knee. I, I couldn't walk. Then uh, there was my hand. I, it was blocked. And all these uh, diseases were signals of something blocking in my life, like I cannot move on. And physically, I couldn't move on because when you have a pain, meniscus is on your uh, knee, you cannot walk properly. And then I had a problem in my right hand where they need to put my hand in a cast and I had to wait for two months and I had to go to physiotherapy. I really, really felt stuck physically as well. So these were just injuries that kind of came out of nowhere. Like you sort of just started to get like pain in these parts of your bodies or did something trigger them to happen? Yeah, I had nothing. One day I was in the office and I couldn't use my right hand. This is why when they come up with after trying therapies for two months and cast and all this injection, when the doctor said we're going to do a surgery because I couldn't open the hand, like I couldn't move my um my finger and it didn't make any sense mm -hmm. because in the MRI in the scans there is nothing so they come up with an overuse disease but I was not overusing my hand you know some people are gamers they really use a lot of their hands when they're gaming on the computer I was not or some people are coders mm -hmm. like they, maybe they're using a bit overuse but I didn't have any of these issues in my life this is why um, when I realized okay I don't want to have the surgery I want an alternative method because first my knee came, but it was like a meniscus and it just happened out of nowhere when I was walking. I was not running. I'm not a sports person. I didn't fall. <laughs> Suddenly I couldn't walk. Uh, but that time I didn't understand and I was trying to solve it with the Western medicine. But when my hand happened, I didn't want to get a surgery because right hand is where I use all the time. I'm right-handed. And a surgery without understanding and I'm very left brain. I'm coming from a bit more scientific approach person on the left brain. Suddenly my left brain couldn't justify why I should have the surgery on such a way. If there was no apparent end. cause. 
Yeah. 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 And overuse did not resonate with me. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not mm-hmm. really overusing it. How much can I overuse to have such a big problem? And that time, actually, I start um, seeing a healer. First, I really didn't believe. And I was, I think, one of her hardest clients. She tells everyone that I'm her hardest student because I resisted it so much. Uh, but I learned a lot from her. First, she teach me Reiki and she was giving me all the books. And I had to face that my life was really stuck because I put myself in a marriage where I was not happy, actually. But I didn't want to look at that. I want to play everything is perfect. I was scared of the fact that when I face it, then I need to take actions. Because sometimes mm. you can do all the healing you want, but you need to, those healings should help you not to be scared to take actions. And I had to take those actions and I changed my life drastically and I changed the country that I live in. I came to Europe. I, of course, ended that marriage. I changed my job. I changed everything. And I moved to Luxembourg, I think, almost six years ago now. (laughs) And here I started again um, with myself. I find my soulmate. Uh, I changed the career that I want, but not everything is perfect. Don't get me wrong. There's always life issues happening, but it all started with physical symptoms. I'm really loving this conversation. My fiance, he's a, well, he was a chiropractor before we moved to Dubai. And he would always talk to me about how pain is the body's language. It's the only way it can communicate certain things to us. And I've always found, found that so interesting because I find then, I mean, I'm quite an emotional person. And when I feel a certain emotion, I know that I feel it in certain parts of my body. And it's so funny that you bring this up. And for anybody listening, I just want you to have a think about, do you get like a recurring pain? So like you were saying with your knee or your hand, for me, it's my neck. I get tension and it could be, I used to think it was when I would be on my phone too much, but again, sort of same thing. Like I didn't spend heaps of time on my phone. It was just kind of the only thing that made sense to me. Until one day I randomly got the pain and we were in Greece traveling. Like I I didn't even know where my phone was. It was like one of those moments. And I was like, it was, and then something came up and I realized it was my body's immediate reaction to stress. It was like the second I felt stress, I felt that tension in my neck. And that was like my body's language. And I now understand that when I feel that tension in my neck, it's not so much a byproduct of a physical injury, just like you had experienced, it's more a, a sign from my body to me saying, hey, like you're stressed or you need to focus on something or like you said, make sort of a big decision. So for anyone listening who maybe this is resonating with them, maybe they're starting to notice or think about like a niggling pain that they get often that could be correlated to stress. How do we then begin to work out what's the cause of it? How do we kind of manage it? How do we you know, avoid it coming up in general? What what were the, what is the framework you've kind of come up with to manage or I guess just deal with that pain that comes up? Yeah, yeah, very beautiful question. But before to that question, I want to just add something on the neck pain because I also have a neck issue and I also have neck problems here and there. Maybe it would help, it would resonate with you or anyone who listens because in a uh, corporate world, I also have a workshop about just neck pain neck and back pain and when I started doing this workshop everybody thought that I was just going to talk about because you look at the screen all the time sometimes you need Posture. to move your body da, 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 da. no of course you're aware of it of course move your body but usually the reason I think why we have so much neck pain in the corporate world is that neck is 
with everyone I work with, I see two main issues about the neck. And I did more than 5,000 healing sessions for now. I'm trying to complete the 10,000, but right now I'm in the midway. What I see the similarity is the neck has holds the energy of being right. So when you want to be right on one issue, and especially in corporate world, we have to be right all the time, right? Because you cannot go on a meeting and say, I'm wrong. So the energy of I have to be right, it's really, really sits on the neck. And if you know the neck, you know, it gives you ability to look all the angles when you move your neck up and right. So that it usually gives us a signal to accept all different perspectives so that maybe you don't need to be right all the time. This is one thing. And the second thing is the fear of confrontation. So fear of confrontation also sits on the neck. <laughs> with all my clients, when they come with a neck pain, they usually at that time have a problem of confrontation in their life. And in business world, sometimes we're scared to confront our bosses. Sometimes we're scared to confront our um, teammates. So this fear of confrontation also sits on our neck. And whenever I have neck pain, I immediately realize, okay, why I'm scared to confront now? Why do I need to confront? Hmm, maybe I need to tell my husband I don't want to do it actually. Okay, how can I say it nicely? So this might also really, really help on the neck pain. Yeah, no, very, very interesting. So is it a process for you of, and I guess this will lead into the second part of what I asked you, is it a process for you of, it's not that the pain goes away completely. It's like now you still might get neck, uh, you know, knee pain. Your hand might seize up again. But for you, it's like you understand now what that's a symbol of, and you use that as to bring more awareness into your life. Is that how you kind of approach that experience with that pain now, or is it a more of a fact of um, you don't really experience it much anymore? Yeah, there are both actually, because some of the pain is coming from some emotions or some triggers that is really, really rooted in us. For example, if you are raised as a perfectionist or if you always want to be successful, of course you want to be right all the time at the same time. So that you can try any healing, but it's not going to take away your need of, okay, I don't need to be successful anymore. I call it like Instagram healing. Okay, do this and it's going to be gone. Uh, no, it's not going anywhere because we also have our character. So that this type of pain can actually lead you where you need to be mindful. Uh, and usually when you're mindful on this issue, maybe you do a forgiveness there, maybe you write a letter there. When you do the work related to that part of pain, usually it releases. I see it a lot with acne, for example. Depending on where the acne comes in the body, sometimes it's telling you that you feel unworthy. And when you work on your awareness issue, you see that your acne actually goes away. So um, I use it more when it comes back rather than crying and being in the oh my god it's happening again okay what does my body tells me that's really really powerful i think to use something like an experience of pain to be our teacher and to kind of lead us to the root of the problem to something wider we need to address and a lot of the things you said there i'm sure a lot of people are going to resonate with for me particularly the need to kind of be a perfectionist how that ties in with the need to always be right and that drive for success i think that's something i really resonate with and can definitely identify as probably an underlying foundation of something i need to work on um, but i think it serves just as a really nice point of awareness for people and I think as well, having that, this is like a massive reframe on pain in the body and it offers a really beautiful opportunity to everyone listening rather than feeling, oh, I'm out of whack or I'm not balanced or I'm experiencing all these horrible things. It's an opportunity for people to look at their bodies and say, well, what is my body trying to tell me and to understand that 
their bodies are there to like communicate with them and tell them something, bring their awareness to something. And I think that's a really nice synergy that we can have with our bodies. So I'm, I'm really, really loving everything you're saying and really resonating with the work you're doing. I know everyone else listening will too. Something that I think a lot of people listening as well resonate with is this space of the corporate world, um, whether they run their own business or company, whether they work for somebody else. I'm just curious in your experience, how do you advise or I guess guide people to find mindfulness in the corporate world? Because it can be a really, um, a really jarring, very black and white, very like dog eat dog world type experience. I think really depends on the people you work with, but what are your thoughts on finding mindfulness in and amongst that space? Yeah, yeah. So actually, nine to five is if you're lucky, because usually most people are like nine to nine, nine to seven, nine to eight. Yeah, that should be in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> so usually we work very, very long hours, actually, especially in today's world where the competition is really, really high. And I'm also aware of the fact that uh, some days are really, really busy. For example, when you wake up and you have such a big meeting that day, I'm coming from corporate that day. Like, who can sit and meditate? I have this big report coming. I need to do it ASAP. I need to do it now. So I don't believe that, you know, there should be rules and this is how you should do them. And I always say, I think we put so much pressure on our um, mindfulness and healing as well. We want to be perfect there. I always say to my clients, 80% done is more than done. You know, 80% done is done. So if you don't do meditation every day, there's nothing to panic or freak out. If you do five times a day, you will already see so much improvement. So instead of trying to be perfect and then just feeling bad, do it two times a week, do it three times a week. Um, so what I usually advise is just to first accept your reality because we are just trying to be so perfect and we just try to do what others say except your reality because we all work differently some people like to work early in the morning some people like to work at night some people like to do really nine to five and then they have their own time so we're also unique uh i would the first thing is to accept your reality what is your current situation right now and how you want this current situation to change with your own terms. I have some clients who do the meditation first thing in the morning because they are morning people and it really, really helps them. But I have some clients who just does the meditation after they do majority of their work in the morning, then they're like, ah, oh, now let me do my meditation. And you know, surprisingly, it also works for them. There is yeah. no difference between them because when I scan their ROI in the sessions, I see that the, 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 the change is there and their life is shifting. So the results always show if something working, yes or no. So you can usually understand because when you do the internal shifts, external circumstances always change. So you can understand that it is working. So one thing is just don't worry, just do what you can because every little exercise works. And then there are so many different mindfulness tools that you can use. There is not just one tool and it's different for everyone. For very busy executives, for example, whose head is thinking 20 million things at one time, I highly recommend start their day with just journaling, you know, like a brain dump so that they can get rid of everything. Because when you see the things on the paper, it really gives you an idea to cleanse your mind and to realize what you have instead of maybe starting the day with a meditation. So it also depends what tool is working for you 
rather than using copy-paste kind of approach because we are very different. And for some people, they resonate better with the nature. So maybe they don't need to do any of those. They just need to do a 20-minute walk in the nature. So there are so many different mindfulness tools and techniques Find the one that works for you and don't panic if you do five times a week, 70% is done, 80% done is going to give you so much, so much difference in your day. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, I'm really glad you just said that because a huge premise of our whole podcast is that every single person is unique. And like you said, when we're talking about mindfulness tools, the same goes for balance. Like it's not a one size fits all. It's not to say that this is what work-life balance looks like and this is what everybody should do. And um, one thing I always encourage listeners to do is to have a toolkit rather than set tools. So instead of saying, oh, my thing is Uh, meditation and exercise you know if you have a range of things that you've tried that you enjoy um, you take the pressure off one or two things to work all the time and like you said um, like even for me for example like journaling is something I've tried and I enjoy it but only when I feel like I need it it's not something I do every single day but there are people who start their day with journaling and so rather than like you said copy and pasting really just um, experimenting I think and being flexible with those tools is very very important Do you have any comments or tips for within the workplace specifically? So obviously these are things we can use throughout our day to break it up. If you're working from home, obviously that's a little bit easier. But say you're in like a really high pressure job in in an environment that you feel maybe doesn't really care for your needs uh, over, you know, the productivity side of things because corporate can be like that sometimes. It can be really like heavy and rush and go, go, go. Do you kind of have any tips for when you're actually within that space specifically, like either whether it's in the moment or um, just other things you can turn to, either internal or external, that can help you in, in the midst of a crazy busy day. Yeah, 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 of course, because I I had so much days like this, you know, I had so much days like this in the office. So the things that really, really helped me in my busy corporate life is that if you are knowing that you're going to a meeting and if you already know it's going to be stressful, there are so many people, you know, there's also sometimes internal politics, there are people who you don't like. I always, always advise is just take a couple of minutes. You just close your eyes and make sure that you are grounded and you're protected because everything is energy. Everything is energy because sometimes we carry others' energy so much on us, we carry this heaviness. So please make sure that you know, you learn a basic technique of energy hygiene where you can really ground yourself and you put a protection around you so that you don't take everyone's energy on you. Because sometimes what happens is it is not you. You're just taking all this negativity on you. And especially people who are more sensitive, who are more empaths, they do it even without knowing it. But then you feel like, oh, exhausted. It's actually not you. So the first thing I would advise anyone in corporate world um, is grounding and protection. Make sure that, you know, there's just three minutes, five minutes, six minutes, different types of grounding and, and protection meditations. I usually use one 
five to six minutes actually that's short so you can do it immediately and even if you don't have time just close your eyes just imagine that you're grounding your energy to mother earth take a couple of deep breaths and just imagine a beautiful golden net is coming all around you all around your aura and you protect yourself maybe you want to put a mirror that day depending on who you want to see so that is one thing second thing when you are in the emotion you need to let it go but it's not that hard especially if you are in the emotion of anger or sadness if you really want to sit and cry so those are in those times i always say when you're so angry maybe you cannot meditate when you're so angry maybe you're not right because the anger is an emotion you know that the fire is within you and you just want to scream in those times i highly recommend to use emotional freedom technique which is known as tapping technique so that you can just go to the bathroom in the in the office and just tap yourself for a couple of minutes it's very you can do it to yourself. You Anywhere specific? Yeah, because in emotional freedom techniques, there are tapping points uh, related to chakra points, uh, related to acupuncture points actually on your body. So you need to tap there. But if you just Google EFT, there are tons of videos. You just tap yourself in order to release it because those emotions need a bit time and respect so that it helps you to let them out because you need to hold yourself in a very short time so you park it and you worked on this emotion later so that in that situation it helps you to release it and the third thing i this is one of my favorite i use this myself and i made my clients use it it when i use it i had a miraculous um outcome and it happens to everyone i work with i think that's really really powerful i particularly like the um in the moment strategies because I find sometimes like you said it's not practical to go into a 10-minute meditation if you're in the middle of a busy day or if you're experiencing anger those things don't necessarily work so um, there's a couple of uh, practices that you suggested I think can be very powerful for anyone who just might need them like everyone listening just like mentally note them and and remember pull them out and try them next time you kind of need that momentary pause and then I think a really important thing you said is so you can deal with the emotions later. So it's not that we forget about it. We know that there needs to be a little bit more healing and processing, but it's more to help you in the moment when you need to just pick up and move on. Um, I'd be very curious to know if with your clients, something that comes up for them and that you hear a lot of, I mean, you've done 5,000 sessions, so I'm sure it's come up at least once, but I wanted to know if this was something that was common um, especially maybe for people who are in those high-performing jobs or are high performers themselves, this feeling that they're never enough or that, like, you know, when you're a perfectionist and you're kind of always looking for what, what you can do more of and find it really hard to appreciate maybe the things you have done. Is that is that something that comes up quite a lot in your practice? Yeah, actually, the feeling of not being good enough, um, the feeling of not being worthy enough is actually yeah, and yeah. not giving permission to stop not giving permission um to take a pause is one of the biggest things especially if you're a high achiever there's a reason you are that person right usually most of the people that i work with and i am one of them as well is that because you're so driven with success if you had love from success in your childhood if you're this is how you associated with it and most of us did that because in the school system we raised teacher only likes you if you're a good student otherwise they don't like you or maybe 
in the family you had to always had the good grades because otherwise if you had a B your mother is why it's a B why it's not A so when you associated being appreciated being loved with success then it is never enough for you because you always want to achieve more you always want to achieve more you can do it either two ways either you overwork in order to be successful all the time and you want to be deep inside you want to appreciate it you want to be loved and it's also good there's nothing wrong with it uh, because usually what we do when you make peace with those memories you just understand they also made you who you are rather than again mm-hmm. my mom did this to me this happened to me no they happened to you for a reason and you became this strong and successful person which is beautiful but now you can give yourself permission <laughs> as an adult that you can be loved without your success or you can define what is success for you right now because you're not that kid anymore of course it's an easy Mm -hmm. concept to say and it takes time and lots of healing work to do but this is one of the most underlying thing and usually with the woman especially with the woman there is a tendency of overgive at the same time so already successful, but they're burnout because they need to overgive. And again, this is coming from my own struggles. The reason I overgave was to be loved and appreciated because I only thought if I overgive, people would love me and appreciate me. And then you take the life lessons that sometimes you give, give, give. The minute you couldn't give or the minute you make a mistake, the people you overgive is there to judge you or there to... Um, criticize you and then your all mechanism of I need to overgive in order to be loved is just crash and then you take the lesson of boundaries then you take the lesson of expectations but these are the two major topics which I have with high achievers you've answered so many of my questions already just in explaining that but the reason I ask is it's something I have done healing work on but I'm definitely on a journey to resolve I don't think I'm there yet because I find I lollipop in and out of my relationship with that limiting belief or that core belief that, you know, I always need to be perfect or I'm not doing enough. And I find it can really, when I give in and I'm not, you know, protecting myself or doing the work, I find it can really pull me into a a very bad place where I get almost like a little bit anxious and depressed. I wouldn't say I get depression, but it pulls me into those negative emotions Um, and so I was just, yeah, I was just curious if that was something that you experience a lot with your clients, which you said you have, how do you find like when you're, I know when you're doing the work and you're healing, obviously it's not a straight line and you're not just going to start the work and then everything disappears. It's a, it's a process and a, you have to remember that it's something that often comes with you from a very young age. So you're trying to unlearn something that basically has been a foundation of who you are. I really like the reframe that you've offered to, you know, instead of hating that or, or being upset with how things have turned out, it's it's like this moment of appreciation and gratitude for, you know, without all of that happening in my life, I wouldn't be the person I am today. But I just wanted to know with this specific core belief, because I know it's something a lot of listeners uh, struggle with, they're all high performers wanting to do more all the time. What tips do you have for people to really just stop and, like you said, give themselves that permission for that space? Um, how, like, Do you just have any practical tips for how we can actually do that? Yeah. So the thing is it's so unique with everyone I work with because usually – it is grounded from your childhood or from your maybe ancestor. So the biggest tip I can give is first you need to realize in order to release something. 
what we are trying to do with the practical things we're trying to release without realizing where it's coming from so this is why you do all the beautiful affirmations but you cannot go there but don't get me wrong affirmations are amazing of course use them they are so good but it always works mind body and soul we need to do all these three together so i always say the first thing is the realization realization meaning that okay you have this darkness or dark side or whatever you call it is dragging you down first you need to realize it we can only release what we realize what we understand because otherwise we you need to make it conscious yeah so yeah so you just go back to the same space so i always say the hardest part is the realization where this is coming from after that i highly recommend then work on releasing whatever it is and usually releasing comes with a lot of forgiveness because in everyone i work with those memories what caused the situation you mentioned is related to either an incident or some people and usually there are people to forgive and you also need to forgive yourself so and the people to forgive is the easy one <laughs> you need to forgive yourself is the hardest one so it comes with a lot of work of self forgiveness and then here you tie it with the affirmations with the other things that you can do at the same time with journaling because it's a journey self forgiveness is you ask me we need to do it almost every day to love and forgive ourselves and then after you forgive yourself you want to embody the positive emotions mm. and it comes yeah. with some inspired yeah. actions obviously in order to change your reality because no healing takes place if you don't take the inspired actions in my experience so far when you and especially those inspired actions can give you a little bit anxiety can give you a little bit oh, how i'm going to do it but uh, this is where you break the cycle where you jump to the other side it comes with so it's actually a four step approach yeah and the thing i love about this approach too is it's almost like a, a bit of a circle because i feel like it's not a straight line right you don't start at consciousness and end with action and it's done it's sometimes you fall back into the subconscious and then you know you be, you forget you become unaware of these things and they creep up again and again and again so um i i really like that four step approach and i would encourage everyone to look at it like i said as a bit more of a, a circle rather than a straight line yeah it's not straight it's, it's uh, sometimes all four steps are together even <laughs> Yeah, or sometimes the other way around. You take the action and you're like, wait, what the hell did I just do? And you become conscious and all these things. No, but um, I've already actually, that, that felt quite, I don't know about anyone listening, but that felt quite therapeutic for me, just hearing you talk through, you know, the core and the substance of that belief and the things you need to do and the permission we need to give ourselves. It's such a beautiful way to look at these things that can often keep us quite stuck and keep us in a really negative place. So um really excited to I guess see where your journey goes and see you hit 10,000 sessions and for anybody listening who um, you know is interested to work with you or wants to get to know you follow your journey a little bit where's the best place I can do so and I'll pop some links in the show notes yeah um, so the best place to find me is that on my website um, you can see what I'm doing and I write a newsletter almost two, three times a month. And there I share the tips, I share the books, I share the things that inspire me or I share the commonalities of the sessions because um, I see that in some weeks, everybody's coming with a problem with their partners. In some weeks, everybody's coming suddenly with a problem from their past. So there's a lot of similarities within the sessions, which is amazing to watch. 
and I share about this kind of things on my newsletter. I'm gonna give your audience a decluttering guide because for any healing, you need to start with decluttering. Everything is energy. Oh, amazing! I need <laughs> that. You need to let go of the energy in order to initiate and bring new energy to your life. I always start everything with decluttering, and when you opt into this decluttering guide, it will take you to my newsletter. But if you wanna know more about me, you can um, read my newsletter or you can check my Instagram. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for the guide and I'll pop links to everything in the show notes below. I just want to thank you so much for uh, giving us this half an hour of your time. I really appreciate it. I've learned a lot. You've got a beautiful energy about you. So a big, big thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for helping me to share this message.